Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you. Maybe we never blow your minds. Maybe we never sacrifice you to a giant Aztecian (laughs) bird god hanging out in New York City. (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are... Kicking off our month-long theme, which is It Came from 1982. So horror films from the year 1982. And if you haven't guessed already, we are starting with the classic Q, The Winged Serpent. So this was, which of course came out in 1982. (laughs) So this was written and directed by Larry Cohen, uh, who was basically a New Yorker who got his start in TV as a writer uh, then he moved into black exploitation with his debut film Bone before moving into horror, where his first horror film was It's Alive. He also went on to do films such as The Stuff, God Told Me To, and then I can't not mention Full Moon High, which is <laughs> which is not a great film. It's not really very, it's not one of Larry's best, but it's basically Teen Wolf, like it predates Teen Wolf, where it's about a football player who becomes a werewolf and. It, so, you know, and, and I and I also bring this up, too, because Larry likes to claim that others stole from him. And, you know, I think he could make a case with Teen Wolf and Full Moon High here. Yeah. Uh, and he also, in particular with Cure the Wayne Serpent, likes to claim that the 1998 Godzilla film stole from him. What? <laughs> uh, which I, I think I can mention because it's not really much of a spoiler, plus this movie's from 1982, but... The whole thing with the eggs in the city and that Godzilla also has, like, creatures in eggs in oh. New York. So so he... he play, because he, of eggs. Yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, it's not totally unbelievable because Cue the Winged Serpent was a big hit. It was a cool classic. And it, so, you know, it, it did influence a lot of filmmakers. So whether or not he's right about Godzilla, I don't know. But it certainly <laughs> did influence a lot of films that came after it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it stars David Carradine as Shepard, uh, who was the eldest son of John Carradine. Uh, he did a two-year stint in the Army where he actually met Larry Cohn, and that's how he came to be on this film, oh. is, is he was a friend of Larry's that, you know, Larry wanted to work with him on this. Uh, he started acting in TV and, wanted to do, and went on to do over 100 features, including uh, Death Race 2000 and Kill Bill, probably one of the roles he's best known for. It also stars Michael Moriarty as Jimmy Quinn, who got his start in the early 70s. Uh, this was actually his first time working with Larry, I believe. And uh, if you listen to the commentary, or and if you, and I think if I remember correctly, the scene where Quinn first meets his girlfriend, who I'll mention next, when he first meets his girlfriend and they're kind of riffing off each other, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that was the first day of shooting, and Larry said that he and Moriarty kind of, like, fell in love with working with each other that day because their 
styles basically of work really played well off each other because Larry Larry likes to do a lot of improv and Moriarty likes to do a lot of improv so so they ended up building a nice relationship beginning on the first day of set and uh, went on to work together a few more times Uh, Moriarty also appears in the stuff as well as it's alive three he's also in Cohen's uh, masters of horror episode pick me up which is very good and Moriarty in particular is amazing in that <laughs> like if you've never watched masters of horror first of all great show go check it out but definitely watch the episode pick me up if you're a fan of Michael Moriarty he is so goddamn good in that <laughs> Uh, he basically plays like a serial killer truck driver. It's amazing. Anyway, so let's see. The film also stars Candy Clark as Joan, who plays Moriarty's girlfriend in this. She appeared in American Graffiti. I think that was kind of one of her first big roles. Also appears in other horror films such as Amityville 3D, Cat's Eye, The Blob, and Zodiac, just to name a few. She's also had a really great career. Uh, and then lastly, it has Richard Roundtree as Powell. He basically rocketed to stardom as Shaft in the 1971 film. Uh, Also did Maniac Cop, which was written by Larry. The film Seven, and of course the Shaft remake, amongst many, many others. So this is just a phenomenal cast right Mm -hmm. off the bat. You know, Larry kind of caught a lot of these actors kind of early in their careers, you know, who had had success. Uh, You know, obviously, I mean, Roundtree having already done Shaft and whatnot, but... You know who had caught them off of of some some nominal success, uh, but he caught them early in their careers, and it's just this incredible cast that he managed to get together for like what is otherwise you know this B monster movie. It's a monster movie, <laughs> and, and that's just part of the brilliance of Larry. Like he's really good at putting together just great cast that can come in and just do the work. And you know, I think he kind of mentions as part of his filmmaking style is like you know it, it's it's a cliched phrase, but the whole idea of you know, half the work is done for a director if you just hire the right cast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, and, and that was something that he was always really good at. So uh, so if you have not seen Cue the Wean Serpent, it's essentially about kind of what it sounds like, I guess. about uh, It's essentially an early 80s American kaiju film, in a sense, where it involves Moriarty, who is a sort of crook trying to get out of the business you know uh, he's trying to go legit but but he's kind of yeah he is we'll talk about that he's trying to go legit but he's kind of stuck in this business and you know it, it involves him and then it, Carradine playing this cop and essentially they're trying to their paths sort of cross with this creature this giant flying winged serpent <laughs> which is terrorizing New York City and at the same time, there's also like this ritualistic sacrifice kind of <laughs> subplot going on where dead bodies with flayed skinners showing up and everything. Uh, it's very interesting, very fun. We are going to be spoiling the hell out of this film. So if you have not seen it, do go check it out. It is streaming on Tubi at the time that I'm mentioning this. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it won't be there tomorrow. We're learning with streaming services lately that they'll just do whatever the fuck <laughs> they want. Fuck you, Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Like, <laughs> uh, if, if you don't know what that's all about, go look it up. Buy physical media if you can. It's just fuck streaming. <laughs> but anyway, well, so. All right, then. But anyway, so, I'm very angry today. Uh, Sakura yeah, Wing hey. Serpent is on Tubi as of now. Uh, so go check it out there if you've never seen it before. Otherwise, we will be spoiling everything. So. Uh, but first, we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content before we get into that. So just as usual, the tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So <laughs> this this tagline, which is really less of a tagline, and you know, it's just what's on the poster. But but the tagline for Q is, and you'll know why I said that in a sec, is its name is Quasi Koto. 
Just call it Q. That's all you'll have time to say before it tears you apart. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Q, the winged serpent, overall? I mean, that is a very informative tagline. <laughs> well, like we always say, you know, we miss, we miss these taglines yeah. like this, right? These just like... Because they're always unique. They're mm-hmm. always specific to the movie. It's yeah. like reading the back of a book jacket. Like, is it, you know, is it catchy? Does it sell the film, like, in a second? Not necessarily, but, no, but, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, fun tagline. I have mixed emotion about about this movie. Sure you do. Yeah. Because um, Matt has put on this movie a whole bunch of times. And when we are preparing to watch this. I just love Larry Cohen. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. But this is one of those movies that Matt puts on a whole bunch of times, and I cannot for the life of me remember what this movie is about, ever. How could you not? It's like the simplest plot ever. Giant flying monster terrorizes New York. The end. (laughs) Yes. And for me, the giant monster parts are great. I love Mm. the giant monster parts. But this movie does kick up my lack of attention span, and the human-y parts I get a little bit We're, bored. So, sorry it wasn't made in the late 90s blockbuster era, Okay, Chris, fuck you. There's going to be a lot of movies that we're so, talking about this month that I do sorry like. Sorry, it's not just mindless monster carnage. but Okay. Hey, rude. Oh. You know that I don't just like mindless monster carnage, but... Do I know that? Uh, okay, no. To be fair, to be fair, look, Cue the Winged Serpent, is it as fast-paced as it could be mm-hmm. no but but i think that that but that's clearly you know what what larry's yeah. going for here like you know the thing with q the wayne serpent is i i think larry describes the film uh this way himself but he basically kind of describes it i think as like a, a kaiju movie but mm-hmm. but what he felt he wanted to do differently was that you know well chris and i both adore the Godzilla franchise and and everything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I don't think either of us would dispute is that those movies aren't really about the people. No, (laughs) fuck the people. They're they're never really about the people. I'm here for a monster. They never really have good characters for the most part, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so, and even in the new ones, which have tried to kind of do character and really not... the worst part. Really not done it that well. Um... You know, something Larry wanted to do differently is he wanted his movie to first and foremost be about people, you know, mm-hmm. and and whether you like the characters or not, you know, that is something that he did. He did create characters with this yeah. movie. And and so you're you're kind of getting like the kaiju film from their perspective, you know, mm-hmm. it, I guess in a sense, it's Cloverfield before Cloverfield, you know, because because <laughs> we're actually getting to be like on the ground with everybody mm-hmm. instead of just right in the middle of this big monster fight. And though we all love big monster fights, mm-hmm. that was kind of the goal, you know, is to do a more human sort of kaiju movies. <laughs> and he definitely succeeded there. But I've always complained if the kaiju focus too much on the people, I'm not interested. Yeah, I, I think, that's fair. Uh, I mean, you expect a certain a certain quality from a giant monster <laughs> yeah. movie, I guess. <laughs> I think for me with this one, you really have to be invested in the Jimmy character. Mm. Like, you have to be intrigued by him and enjoy watching him on screen in some manner of speaking. And then I think you'll really like this film. I think if you're not interested in Jimmy's storyline, like I am not because I hate well, him. Well, you're not you're not much of an actor's person, you know. You're I you're am more, not. You're more about the character. I, I think yes. for I think for me, you know, it, we'll get into Jimmy in a second, but just mm-hmm. really briefly, I think for me, the thing that I love about Jimmy isn't the character themselves, it's Michael Moriarty. And mm-hmm. the, because Michael Moriarty, you know, whether he's playing an asshole or not, mm-hmm. 
is for me impossible to look away from. I think I think he's a brilliant actor who does manage to captivate the screen uh, because he's a very yeah. unique performer. Yes, I you know. Agree. So so I think for me, I really enjoy watching him regardless of the character. Mm-hmm. But I I see where you're coming from. <laughs> Jimmy is not necessarily a likable person. I hate him. <laughs> and, and we'll talk about that in a sec. So. Uh, so no, overall for me, you know, I, I really enjoy Q. It's, I, I don't think it's perfect. It certainly has its mm-hmm. flaws, but, but I really enjoy Q. Uh, I love what Larry was trying to do with this. And I think that, you know, especially on revisiting Q, the thing that really stood out to me is just, it really cements how brilliant of an indie filmmaker Larry Cohen was, because you got to consider, you know, this is 1982. This is a low budget uh, indie film basically made for like a million bucks and it, when you just see this movie and you see everything that went into it from from the 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 animated creature to all these like just breathtaking aerial shots you know mm-hmm. uh to actually being inside of the chrysler building and like actually shooting it like everything you see that takes place inside the Chrysler building there, except for where the creature is nesting. Everything you see was the Chrysler building. So they really shot up there. They really did all this dangerous shit (laughs) where they, you know, Larry points out like the, the, the scenes that you see at the top of the building where they're looking out and there's just nothing there, like nothing to support you, no windows, nothing that, that was really what it was like. Mm -hmm. So they were really up there with camera people lugging this equipment around and shooting and, you know, essentially, risking falling miles and miles to their dooms. <laughs> uh, so, so when you just take all that in consideration, you know, it just, it really speaks to just how brilliant of a director Larry was. And especially considering too, that so much of the film is improv. Like they would kind of, you know, come to set one day and just be like, you know what, we're going to do this instead. Uh, like they would just get ideas, like the whole piano scene with Michael Moriarty, completely improv. They just oh. decided to do it that day. Mm-hmm. And, and Larry was really good at, managing to kind of set these things up and accomplish them despite a tight schedule, despite a tight budget, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that was something that really stood out for me revisiting Q. Uh, and then of course, I just think it's a fun movie because come on, giant monster movie. Giant so. monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to mention too, that, you know, just another fun thing for those that are curious about this kind of stuff. Uh, the, the director of host actually references Q as what inspired that movie, you know, because that's also a giant monster movie that's more kind of about the characters and it's kind of a comedy as well. And so you can actually really see that like once you kind of watch the film sort of back to back, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so we are about to move into spoilers now with Q the Wing Serpent. So again, if you have not seen it, please check it out on Tubi streaming there. Otherwise we're going to spoil just about everything we can with this. So that being said, spoiler territory. So let's just, I guess, start off with Quinn's character, you know, Michael Moriarty's character who you hate so much. I hate uh, him so Jim- much. Jimmy Quinn. Why? What, what do you think about Jimmy? What's what's your problem with Jimmy? Because he's the fucking worst. Like, he... You're very accurate when you say that for me with movies, I do not give a shit if you're an amazing actor or a terrible actor because I'm invested in the story and the characters. And so, yeah, Moriarty is a fantastic actor. But Jimmy as a character is such a piece of shit hot mess that I want to routinely punch him in his goddamn smarmy face. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am. <laughs> you know, because he's, he's an interesting character to follow in a monster movie because he 
is just such a hot mess of a human being. He just cannot get his shit together. He has absolutely no luck whatsoever. And I feel like I'm supposed to feel bad for him because everything that could possibly go wrong for him in this movie does go wrong. Like, he's he's a small-town crook who's just, like, he's trying. I think to your point, he is trying to get his life together. He's trying not to take a, like a jewelry heist job by trying to do the piano thing mm. and then he doesn't get hired for the piano thing and i think it's because of his terrible singing see see i think i think this is where people often kind of misjudge movies sometimes mm-hmm. or, or misjudge character because don't get me wrong i i agree with a lot of what you're saying it, the film is trying to get you to see things from jimmy's point of view but that doesn't mean you're supposed to like him. There, yeah. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, like the film doesn't want you to sympathize with Jimmy. It doesn't want you to feel bad for him. You know, like, oh, that poor guy, <laughs> this this poor asshole who we learn throughout the film is a sexist, a racist, yeah. uh, a thief, an <laughs> asshole. You know, like you, a murderer. you're not a, well, half he murderer. murders them. <laughs> they were going to murder him. I agree with him. It was self-defense. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's not, I don't think that it, I don't think that they're trying to ask you to like feel bad for him, mm-hmm. but it is asking for empathy in a sense of like, you know, oftentimes films do ask you to empathize with questionable characters, you know, like Scarface is a great example uh, with Al Pacino's character and just being this complete monster, mm-hmm. uh, but you but you empathize with him a little bit because of, you know, you sort of empathy means understanding. Yeah. You, you understand like where he's coming from and kind of what has sort of driven him to like you know his, his misguided belief of what the American dream is in Scarface, mm-hmm. and it's similar here with Jimmy where it's like you you understand him. You might not like him. But you understand where he comes from. You know, we learned that he uh, was basically framed and and spent a few years in jail. And then, you know, Q, Larry Cohen was always really good about uh, infusing a bunch of social commentary into his movies. Mm-hmm. And I think part of Jimmy's story here is sort of commenting on how, you know, we have this system in America that basically fucks you over and essentially ruins your life yep. because it's designed to throw you back out and bring you back in mm-hmm. you know it's not designed to help you <laughs> yeah it's designed to put you in jail and then make sure that you come back you know yeah. so so that's just kind of the system we have here in america and so so i sort of see jimmy from that point of view mm-hmm. you know i don't like him but but i get him yeah and, and i think that makes it interesting for me you know so it's like even if i don't like the character he's more interesting to me than just like the random <laughs> people in a Godzilla movie that are just like, oh, the creature's attacking the city, you know? Like, yeah, he, <laughs> I'll agree with you. He's definitely more interesting of a character. I think for me, I wish that there was like some kind of even slightly redeemable or sympathizing quality to him. Um, Just because I think to your point with this whole movie, it is very much commenting on basically once you enter the system, how difficult it is to get your life back. Because that is what we constantly see. And we and there is commentary about like the city and the police force fucking them over. Because Jimmy should have gotten paid. He mm. took them to Q's nest. He gave them all the information. And just because the bird just happened to not be there, which he can't fucking control, mm. he gets screwed. They take the fucking see, money back. See. But he's he such might... a shit boyfriend that I'm like, see, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, he is. No, for sure. I, I think that the... 
it's not necessarily what I would call redeemable, but I mm-hmm. think that the quality that, you know, the, I think the quality that does really offer us a chance to to connect with Jimmy in some sort of way is Jimmy is in a lot of respects, all of us, you know, and it, it, like, obviously not. Obviously. Would you withhold information <laughs> of a man eating bird? Maybe. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, got to reexamine this relationship. It depends on the situation. I mean, if I was in Jimmy's situation, maybe, you know, th- but this is the thing is that what, what the character is doing here is reflecting what the position of so many of us in this country are in or, mm-hmm. or have been in, you know, yeah. or will be in. I think that he kind of, he, he represents the, the flawed element of the American dream and just kind of the bullshit side of it, mm-hmm. you know, because Jimmy is this character that, that he, he, like many Americans believes that it's like his rights to yes. be, to be successful and have money mm-hmm. and that that's what it's all about. That's mm-hmm. what life's all about. It's not about his girlfriend. It's not about helping other people. Yep. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about making sure that you're good and only you are good. And it's, a, and as you kind of see through him, it's a learned behavior that we learn through society and everything that's kind of shown to us mm-hmm. because, you know, he later brings up the whole Nixon pardon thing. Yep. And it's a goddamn great point, you know, <laughs> where he's basically like, if Nixon got a fucking pardon for all his bullshit, mm-hmm. why can't you just let me off on a fucking diamond thief thing so that I can, you know, tell you where this fucking monster is and help you kill it. You know, yep. like he, he's making a great point of like, the system is not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, the system is is not fair. It's all run by people at the top and all the little guys like Jimmy get completely fucked over, you know? So Ew. so he's so his character makes that point. And, you know, you ask me, like, would I do the same thing? I mean, probably not. You know, <laughs> I would hope not. Especially not because, you know, you and I are fine. We're not mm-hmm. in Jimmy's position, right? Um, but the whole idea behind that is to make the point of like, yeah, there are a lot of desperate people out there. Yeah. There are a lot of desperate people out there who, you know, no matter how they feel about it morally mm-hmm. would still do it because if they don't, you know, their future is pretty bleak. Yeah. And, and, it, you know, our society has kind of turned this into a very much like, you know, doggy dog kind of yeah. place. Right. Yes. Uh, or, or, or a cue the wean serpent eats, <laughs> eats humans. humans place. Right. So. Yeah. You know, I definitely agree with that. It is very much reinforcing that mentality that unfortunately, you know, is very prevalent in this country of just like, you deserve to get yours and it's always going to be at the expense of other people and you can't let that bother you. But I think the, the interesting thing that they're also commenting with Jimmy and the fact that he does not get what he thinks he deserves, mm. you know, is kind of also reiterating that fact that if you're on the bottom, you cannot game the top the same way the rich can, the powerful can. You know, Nixon's able to get that well, pardon because he was a president. Well, Jimmy. right, which is why he's trying to yep. use the one opportunity he's been given, which, you know, I, I don't believe Jimmy's a, a monster. Like, mm-hmm. I do believe that there's a part of him that does not you know, like the fact that people are still dying. Like, I don't think he's brooding mm-hmm. for Q to keep eating people, right? <laughs> but he's using his one opportunity, you know, in a way that sort of predicted, like, our modern society where it's like, you know, like Scream 4 did a really, example, a really good example of that where the killer there, you know, is basically using all of the murders they're committing to gain stardom, you know, yeah. and to gain fame, you know, and, and Jimmy's really basically doing the same thing. Only the difference is he's not the one doing the killing. So <laughs> yeah, I think it reiterates the fact that like, 
even if you try to get that, it's just not going to happen. You you push the wrong people, and they will find a well, way to fuck you over. Well, and so this is the other side of it, is that, you know, it, 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 my, my personal belief, cue the winged serpent, even though I've never heard Larry say anything like this about the movie, just my perspective on it, is that, you know, it, it is really about, uh, <laughs> in a certain respect, servitude to our reptilian overlords. <laughs> and... <laughs> And not not quite that, but mm-hmm. but more specifically servitude to the dollar. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of what I take out of Q the Wing Serpent and and why I think Jimmy is one of our focus characters, because, you know, to me it's just like it it's very random, right? It's very random that your main character is this thief, mm-hmm. you know, this diamond thief. And I guess when you start to look at the film overall, it makes sense that our main character is a diamond thief because a lot of Q the Wing Serpent is about greed mm-hmm. and and the and the need for conquest and to achieve the dollar and all that kind of stuff and you know with jimmy in particular there's obviously all the things we just mentioned and then little things too like little just visual references where like you know the first time that we meet joan uh she's dressed all in green i'm not sure if candy has green eyes i i think that they're mm-hmm. hazel or something <laughs> but but she's dressed all in green and and there's a lot of like greenery in the apartment you know mostly coming from plants and stuff Mm -hmm. uh and and to me it just strikes as like jimmy potentially sees her as a bit of you know uh, financial whatever security she actually has a job (laughs) right so so i think that you know that that we're seeing that because i it's basically painting jimmy as living in this world where he all he sees is money everything is about money you know, and and uh, and it's why I think that you have like just really weird lines that, you know, nobody says to themselves out loud. Like when Jimmy's at the top of the Chrysler building and he says, like, I'm afraid of a lot of things, but I'm not afraid of heights <laughs> or, or something like that. It's like no one says that to no. themselves out loud. But I think he's saying that and then also singing the song on top of the world later on. Because that's Jimmy's life goal. Jimmy is not afraid of fights. Jimmy is not afraid of doing whatever he has to do to climb to the top. Mm -hmm. That's where he wants to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And and to to also, you know, feed mobsters to a giant bird animal. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. Jimmy does have a lot of, like, weird lines. Because I feel like we come back to the end where he says, you know, after he's been harassed by the cultist who's trying to murder him, but will not murder him unless he says a prayer. Mm-hmm. which is super fucked up. But I like the fact that we do kind of end with, um, you know, Jimmy kind of having that line of like, mm, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. And for me, it kind of feels like at that point, he's just lost everything and he's just like kind of fuck it about it. But while I don't like Jimmy, I do fucking love this bird. Q. Q. Well, <laughs> Quetzalcoatl. 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 However, however you say however This you is say. why they just called it Q. <laughs> yep. No, look, I I love, like, the monster design in this. I will say if you look at, like, the poster for Q, it looks so much more fearsome in the poster. I mean, what do you want? Does. They're What do you want? They're using, like, claymation or whatever. So. Okay, no, no. This is, this is not a knock at, like, the Q that we get in the movie. But you look oh. at the poster and it's, like, dope van art almost where, like, you know, Q has, like a, like, a chick in his hand and he's on top of the Chrysler building. He's all ferocious. And then you meet this little dumb-faced claymation. Clay, clay <laughs> well, bird thing, and I just... Well, well, it does make me think that, well, nobody could 
ever even come close to doing this film as well as Larry Cohen, it would be fun potentially to see a remake someday. Yes. <laughs> just, to, just to get a really fearsome cue. <laughs> yeah, but I want it to be practical effects. No animation. Oh, yeah. No, fuck that. And it, Which is why I actually don't really want it, because we know that today it would just, it just be all digital. be animation, yeah. yeah, which would so not be cool. I really love this animal. I guess for me, like, the slight, like, dinosaur nerd in me is that there is actually a dinosaur called the Quetzalcoatlotus, um, which is, like, a dope, like, pterodactyl almost thing. And Well, so you could probably say directly where they got this from. Oh, oh no, it absolutely. Well, I mean, Quetzalcoatl is an actual Aztec god sort of a thing, and it's the one thing I like about the... Well, then that's where the Aztecs got it from. Exactly. Well, and that's what I like about, like, the creature design with this, is it very much feels like somebody looked at, like, the traditional Aztec paintings, um, which kind of make it look more like a dragon, and mm. then they looked at the, like, Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl lotus pictures because it was discovered in like 1971 and like merged the two so we get this dope like dinosaur flying thing just going through New York and somehow being smart enough to stay in the sun so that no one can see it which do I'm... you think it doesn't have a big brain <laughs> do you think it's not adept at being a predator and knowing how to hunt its prey <laughs> I mean, that is a very fair point, but I just, I love that line in the movie where they say that to, like, justify why nobody has seen this giant fucking bird stealing the heads off of window washers. Well, look, so that that actually ties into, like, part of what I think is cool thematically about Q, because you all know how much I love theme, uh, is that, <laughs> is that, you know... So, so, again, going back to what I was saying about Jimmy, is that I, I do believe that Q... You know, if we're talking about a society and characters like Jimmy that strive to reach the top and, you know, are all about greed and the dollar, mm -hmm. then Q is, you know, basically a representative of that, I think. Like a representative of greed and of that, you know, like he's basically like the god <laughs> of yeah. greed and whatnot. So. So the way that I kind of see the whole like sun thing, for example, mm -hmm. is, you know, they they mentioned this a couple times in the movie where it's like nobody has spotted this thing. Right. Yeah. And you might think to yourself, like, man, it's really fucking hard to miss a giant <laughs> flying monster just right? cruising through the city and dropping you know? blood on everybody. <laughs> Well, I mean, they clearly notice the blood dropping on them, but yeah. <laughs> but you think to yourself, like, man, it's hard to miss this, you know, giant monster flying through the city. And uh, I think that part of that is just the kind of idea of like how we as a society are so sort of subdued that we almost become like, you know, basically blind to to what is going on, right? Yeah. You know, and and so you know, it kind of like ties in perfectly to. The movie that came out recently, Don't Look Up, right? Where it's like, you know, part of that thing in that movie is you have this whole campaign of like, don't look up at the meteor that's up there. Like, pay attention to the bullshit that we're feeding you, you know? And it's the same sort of concept where it's like, you know, don't look up at what's really happening and mm -hmm. what's really, you know, running your life. Like, don't look up and actually see the face of the power and the greed that you're striving for continue continue your life continue walking through the streets past all the pretty shops and and spending your money and living your poor soulless human lives you know and, uh, and hope that the greed god doesn't come and get you and hope that the greed god doesn't come and get you and continue serving the rest of us reptilian assholes you know so like so i sort of i sort of see it that way and you know 
uh, I mean, it, it just ends up tying in so well with this because, you know, you know, j just like the idea, too, that Q is prayed into existence, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and that you have to, like, sacrifice yourself willingly to Q and all that stuff. Like, to me, again, that just sort of speaks to the idea that, you know, Q, that Q exists because we make it exist. Yeah. You know, Q exists because we are greedy, because we, you know worship these monsters you know we mm -hmm. we do this stuff we we make them and give them the power that they have you know and it, so you know so you take that concept of like oh we're we're praying this thing into existence and it exists because of us mm -hmm. you know i think that that is really just about like how we are in this consumerist society that where it's like all these people in power wouldn't have that if it wasn't for us allowing that yeah, to happen and allowing them it. to exist and feeding them yeah you know you've got that great line where jimmy's uh saying screaming at the monster like eat him <laughs> eat him you know about about the the thugs or whatever mm -hmm. and to me that's just like yeah like eat him like feed on their greed feed on these crooks greed in getting these diamonds mm -hmm. where they're just foolishly climbing up into this tower for these diamonds you know with like no idea of what's up there mm -hmm. no you know no sense of protecting themselves or anything like that and just blindly doing it because jimmy says so you know it's just this whole idea of like it is feeding on greed and and it, you know the people that best reflect that you know a lot mm -hmm. of something that q ends up doing is with a lot of his victims you know he's feeding on uh, these voyeurs that are up at the top, like everyone's up at the top, right? Mm -hmm. You know, feeding on voyeurs like the window washer <laughs> or feeding on the wealthy like the chick just sunscreening outside. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that like Q's, Q's victims very much enforce what you're talking about because I feel like it's people who are abnormally greedy, abnormally like blind to the world because of their own interests. Like, you know, the, the woman in the office says that that's like the third time the window washer has been there that day. Like, mm. he's obsessive and greedy about this woman he's never even fucking met. And Q's just like, all right, buddy, you, you want to be greedy like this? I'm going to take your goddamn head. Right, so it's not just like greedy about money, just yeah. like a, a gluttonous sort of lifestyle. Exactly, <laughs> and I feel like we get the same with with the um with the woman who's sunbathing nude because she's not on a high high rise she is on the top of a, a building but it's not like every other building can't see down into her like we see with the dude who's spying on her mm. and so it's it's kind of the like the selfishness the greed i don't it's probably not completely accurate but of the fact that she feels like she can just be completely nude and like kind of drive people and the fact that she's got a bracelet that she can't take off like, yeah, which, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to nude shame her, right? No, like, not nude like, shame. Like, I would probably sunbathe nude on top of a roof too if I could. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do it here because you know everyone has access to it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what it is. She knows everybody has access, so it's um, it's a vanity. That's the wrong yes. thing. Yes. No. It's, exactly. Yeah. And then I think going back to that scene you were talking about, where um, Jimmy feeds the two mobsters, because it's interesting because he has those lines of eat them, chew them up, whatever he says with that. But also he goes and says, it's not my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't murder them. And I think that that's an interesting part of our society that Q kind of focuses on too, of like, 
all right, it's not our fault that these people, you know, ostensibly sacrificed themselves on um, the well, altar of greed. Well, well, it's it's the lies that the powerful tell themselves. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and who knows? Maybe, you know, a lot of them probably don't give a shit at all and don't tell themselves anyways. Oh, no, anyways. I don't give a shit. But, but it's... But it's just the, like Juby. Right. But it's, the, but it's the lie that some people tell themselves, right? Of like, it's not my fault. It's their fault because they were greedy, you know? Mm-hmm. They did um, it to themselves. They did it to themselves. And, and a lot of people you know, probably sleep easier at night telling themselves bullshit like that of like, it's not my fault I run a gas company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the people that that fund us. It's their fault. It's, the, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever shit. So, so you know, yeah, to, to me, that's kind of what Quasicool is. And, you know, for those of you maybe not quite buying the greed thing, I mean, it is definitely, if anything, at least a reflection of God and religion, which was mm-hmm. something that Larry Cohen, and I don't know much about this particular aspect of his philosophy, but it's something that Larry Cohen was uh, very interested in exploring through his movies at the time, because he did the film God Told Me To, which is a chilling prediction of where we are in society now, where, where people are essentially, you know, doing these like mass killings and stuff because they believe that you know, like God told them to or something like that. It's a very chilling movie. I highly, yeah. I highly recommend it, although it will freak you out. But but no, but but either way, you know, Quasi Kotal, whether you consider him a a god that is punishing people for being the greedy or just greed itself eating them up as they're trying to, you know, achieve these things or whatever, mm-hmm. that either way, that's that's what he's basically a part of, is just this consumerism this greed that just like infests our society and what better place than, you know, the rich city of New York. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but he's also like housing himself in the shiniest building in New York. Like he's in the goddamn Chrysler building, which, you know, is so iconic and so just looks like a filthy rich building. Well, and the Chrysler (laughs) building is such a perfect (laughs) setting for this too. Like, in more ways than one, you know? Mm -hmm. So, those of you that don't know the history of it, like, really brief, you know, the Chrysler Building was essentially, like, a result of the early 1900s economic boom, and it was this period where basically rich people were just essentially throwing money at buildings as sort of like a dick-measuring contest, (laughs) where where the whole idea was, you know, a bunch of these rich-ass white dudes were... Mm -hmm. Were, were erecting these buildings kind of like, you know, giant dicks mm-hmm. uh, to, to basically show off wealth. You know, yeah. the whole, it was a competition to build the tallest building. And I think for a brief period, the Chrysler building was the tallest building. Yep. Uh, it's now, I think, the 11th tallest building in, in the world. Um, right. Something like that. But, but either way. Fucking Dubai. <laughs> yeah. But, but either way, that, that's all it was. Like, mm-hmm. the Chrysler building itself is, is nothing. You know, yeah. it's like, it's. For for a long time, it, it wasn't even. I think at one point it was like seventy five percent vacant. You know, it's oh. just uh, like briefly, mm-hmm. but and and it was and it's gone through all these renovations and stuff. And like you know, Larry points out too that when when they shot at the Chrysler Building, and and you go up to those like rooftop scenes and everything, you see just how like crummy and untaken care of it is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, it was just like that when we got there. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't do any production design. That's just what it was. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's just so all it is is just like this vague, you know, this fucking giant waste of money <laughs> to just show off how much money and power the people who built it had. And now it's exactly that for the people that own stake in it, you know, so. I mean, that sounds like the perfect nesting ground for ostensibly a god of greed. 
Right. Sort of well, well, Plus, there's so many birds. Like. Sure, but. but. <laughs> no, like all the there's. It was one of the things that the movie really like focused on when it was looking at the Chrysler Building is how many like bird statues were on the outside and bird murals were on the inside. So like, look, if I was a giant well, bird god. You know, and I saw this shiny beacon of misused wealth covered in birds. I would totally make that my home. Well, <laughs> well, it's certainly a perfect building for it. And yes, you know, any any of you wondering, that is the Chrysler Building. Like all, all of the uh, all of the shots of like the bird statues and the the sort of like bird iconography mm-hmm. on the elevators and everything. That's that's all actually the Chrysler Building. They didn't build anything for that. That's all real. And, and, you know, to the point where, like, Larry, he knew when he wrote the script that he wanted to shoot at the Chrysler building. And according to him, uh, they, he didn't write it in the script because he didn't want to disappoint investors if they couldn't get it and have them pull their money out. Mm-hmm. So once the film was approved, he fought his ass off to, like, <laughs> be able to shoot in this and came back again and again and again to... Uh, to the people that he had to to get approval for it, so, which Just is thank- shooting your goddamn building, right? Which is thank God that he did because mm-hmm. Q would probably be a lot different of a movie had they not had the Chrysler building. But, yep. but no, but all of that again is is about that iconography. You know, it, it really works for the movie because if you view Q as this kind of symbol of like greed and and worship and you know us worshiping the Almighty Dollar and all mm-hmm. that crap, uh, that all fits into it. You know, it, it's basically like. New York itself is sort of just a modern temple, mm-hmm. you know, like these buildings like the Chrysler building, they're a modern temple. And the difference is that, well, you had, you know, these, you know, like the Aztecs with their pyramids and, and mm-hmm. their temples dedicated to Quasicodal, where, where you had that. I know I keep saying that name wrong, but <laughs> it's like where you Doing had the best. where you had that in the past and they were worshiping Q. Now it's in a modern setting and you have these buildings that are erected to worship wealth yeah you know that that's the difference is it's no longer worshiping a a bird god that you're afraid of mm-hmm. now it's worshiping the almighty, dollar. The that, almighty that's, dollar that's what all of those buildings in new york are erected to be is temples to wealth <laughs> ah, and the chrysler building really shows how empty you know that worship is you know to your point just you know the decrepit vagrancy of that top floor mm-hmm. sort of a thing you know it really kind of hammers home the fact that like you can worship this stuff you know but it's an empty worship like you can yep. you can willingly sacrifice yourself like these dudes end up doing who are part of this weird cult of museum create curators i don't know uh. i don't know what the fuck is going on there <laughs> you can willingly work like sacrifice yourself up to it but you're doing it for an empty cause right and i love that and i love i love that you get that reading from it because i because i feel the same like that it's this idea of like you know downstairs in the lobby and on the outside oh the chrysler building it's so, so beautiful and, and rich and you know just gorgeous and whatever and then you get up to the top and like really inside of it and it's just a it's just a hollow vacant place you know like i love that line where i think it's david carradine who says something like in regards to like sacrificing to q it it wouldn't be the first time that a monster was mistaken for a god you know yeah and and the thing that i like about that line is it just makes me think like you know the god in this case is is q like on surface level for mm-hmm. the movie but on a deeper sense is again wealth and the yes. dollar mm-hmm. and and the people in power you know it's they are they are monsters they're not gods mm-hmm. as we learn with q later on he's not a god it dies no. yeah you know they're not gods they're they're you can uh, kill a god 
He's right. shooting the face a whole bunch of times. Right. They're they're vulnerable and they're not immortal, you know. Uh, but but we worship them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I like I know people who worship the fucking ground that Elon Musk walks uh. on, and it's disgusting. You know. Yeah. It's like why he he's a fucking rich kid trust fund baby who bought a successful company and yep. just you know and, and look oh. granted for him he happened to understand that the company was probably going to do well but he's just a trust fund baby who bought a company that was already established he didn't invent any of that stuff or anything he just buys other people's shit he's not smart right right, exactly well and we've seen with the twitter deal and him being sued and everything now how fucking stupid he really is but (laughs) oh my god this is a complete side point but apparently his dad the other day said that he's not proud of him and i just think it's (laughs) fucking delicious that's hilarious yeah the his other brother he's proud of him but not elon because his businesses aren't doing as well as they could sorry that's just delicious no that's amazing i love that um but no but that speaks but again it's just this idea of like in a modern society we Mm. no longer worship you know like giant flying monsters and Mm -hmm. stuff like that we worship a different kind of monster we worship these wealthy people that we shouldn't be worshiping no like all like all the people that voted for trump it's because they thought he was successful and it's like he's never been successful in his life he has generational money that he's pissed away right never had a successful business it's like no he's a fucking monster he's a fucking dipshit monster you know like there's nothing let's sacrifice him to q right there's nothing there to worship so anyway it's the same idea you know it's just worship like q's just a representative of people like that in my mm-hmm. opinion so. oh i definitely agree and i think that's why you know it hits a little bit home more again that moment that we have in the end where the fucking cultist museum creator whoever the fuck he is i don't even know comes for for jimmy and tries to sacrifice him but he can't do it without the prayer basically we can't sacrifice you to the god of greed unless you believe in this you say the prayer otherwise it doesn't work well right the idea of like you have to sacrifice yourself over willingly Mm -hmm. it's the idea of like you know like like those like those wall street fucks who you know they yeah it's the sense of you have to give your whole life over to this pursuit of wealth you know, otherwise the the greed monster can't eat you, right? Like- yeah, I have to say the the sacrificing museum cur- curator cult secondary. I don't fucking understand why it's there. Well, well, look. So, so really, really quick. I I, I don't want to not mention this just because I think it's funny. Uh, the whole. I also loved just the. I if we're talking about wealth and greed and all that, I, mm-hmm. the imagery of jimmy going up to the top of the tower and there's a giant egg there mm-hmm. i love just thinking of it as like a giant fabergé egg you know <laughs> yeah it's just you know just like this giant symbol of like fucking useless wealth like i never understood the value of fabergé eggs and all that crap like i don't it's get just, it it's i mean it's pretty cra- but yeah, it's, it's an pre- egg it's pretty but it's just pure crap to me and the idea that it's worth as much as it is just get the fuck out of here stupid anyway um yeah, no, the, the whole sacrificial plot, you know, so I will agree that I think this is a, a weaker part of the movie. It uh, fucking it, sense isn't necessary, but whatever. I don't, I don't, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't agree there. I don't know that it's not necessary. I don't know that it doesn't necessarily make sense, you know, because parts of it do. Mm-hmm. Like, like the sense that, of course, there would be, you know, thematically and in terms of the plot, of course, there are people that worship Q mm-hmm. that that wants Q to exist, right? Yep. So, I also want dinosaurs to exist. Who doesn't, you know? <laughs> so so I look at them as like let let's say there were people that believed that they could, 
you know, that they could bring God into like an actual physical form. Oh, so gross. No, no doubt. You'd have a bunch of crazies all over the world trying to do that exact thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so it, it's not implausible to me uh, to believe that there is this cult that has been passed down the idea of Q and and worshiping Q and wanting Q to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if their belief is that you have to believe in Q for it to exist, then, of course, they would be going around sacrificing people. You know, the, the one thing that we're really missing here is is why they started to do this in the first place and why now. It's we're, we're just missing the why now. I mean, you know? it's a bunch of white dudes in the 80s and they're after wealth. I feel like that sums it well, up. Well, so there you go. You know, <laughs> so so it's really it's just a subtle thing. Again, you know, Larry, like for for those of you that are, I mean, look, if you listen to the show, you know that we love to talk about themes. So, you we know. know, that Matt loves to talk about <laughs> themes and I just talk about bullshit. Well, <laughs> well, either way, you know that we like to talk about the subtext. And so, like, I'm sorry if, you know, you expected more monster talk. But the but the thing is, is with Larry Cohen, like he really is trying to establish establish you know these themes like there is always a a greater depth to what larry's talking about even when he's got a fucking you know cheap little b monster (laughs) movie right and so and so those characters i think are there because of that theme you know they're they're there to represent this theme of that sort of secret group of people that is driving the whole greed within our society and the idea that everyone can achieve it even though that's not true you would mm-hmm. you ultimately just end up a sacrifice yep. to them and mm-hmm. the greater god right uh, uh and and i and as for the like the, the removing of the skin thing you know i i love that because to me that's just this idea of like revealing who you really are underneath the surface you know like we all look like people or whatever on the outside but you know taking the skin off like it reveals you for like the bloody greedy piece of shit monster that you are you know? <laughs> i just love the fact that one dude gets flayed and the other one just loses his heart like one dude goes through fucking hell and the other dude's just like ah, we're just gonna collie maul you and then we're gonna be done with it yeah i mean if i have a choice i'd much rather have, i'd much rather be collie mod than have my fucking skin right? torn off piece by piece <laughs> i mean here's my thing is i do think that there's and those effects are very <laughs> effective like yeah they they look relatively easy because i think that they just like you know basically have like blood pre-laid out mm-hmm. on the body and then they're just kind of like making it look like they peel skin off but it's very effective it's very effective i think it's the one thing for me that this is kind of why i feel like when you're doing a monster film you have to be careful about how much humany womany shit you're putting in it because i think that the sacrifice plot potentially could have been interesting but there wasn't enough time you know really delegated to it so it becomes this weird thing that's happening like on the outskirts and you don't know if it's really supposed to like matter to the main storyline or not and see see but here's it but confuses the ending like see see but here's the thing with that is that i i think that like the ritual itself mm-hmm. it's meaningless you know it is <laughs> then why is it there no no to but prove that, the meaninglessness of the yes, ritual yes exactly Ugh, like I, i'm like, not smart enough for this shit <laughs> Just give me some goddamn monsters. <laughs> well, well, I think I think it's there to prove both the meaningless of it and the and just frankly the ridiculousness of it, right? So like and as smart monster movies. So like on the meaningless side, you know, it's it's yeah, I mean it, 
do we really believe that Quasicodal came from like people just believing in it? I mean, probably not. Probably you know? not. I think it's just some weird <laughs> import, but whatever. Right. Maybe <laughs> like it came from Mexico or whatever it was or wherever it was before it woke up and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know, and it, and now it's here in New York. Yep. And it, which, which by but, the way, I think also kind of represents the idea that we all travel from places to a place like New York to become wealthy. Yeah. Um, but but no, I think that you're really not supposed to get it because the whole idea is you're really not supposed to get the game that is trying to achieve wealth because mm-hmm. in the end, it's all basically pointless. Yeah. You know, like a lot of us... It's inscrutable. Right. Like, like a lot of us, and not to be a downer on this end, but it's like a lot of us, you know, we all have the potential to achieve stability mm-hmm. and and some kind of minor wealth or something like that but like the odds that any of us are ever going to become like that one percent you know We're the n- the people that have just an <laughs> incredible unnecessary amount of money like let's just be honest it ain't gonna happen it's not gonna happen <laughs> you're never gonna be rich pulling yourself up by the bootstraps doesn't exist like that was a phrase that the rich used to make fun of the poor who are never gonna become rich like we all just have to yeah. kind of be happy with where we're at because right. so, we're so now, fucked. Right. So now that we've established <laughs> that none of us will be billionaires, you know, yep. it's it's just like I, I think, you know, you go to the end where the, you know, where the guy's trying to get where the guy's trying to get Jimmy to, you know, say the, the prayer or whatever. Prayer. And it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think you're supposed to see it that way because you're supposed to think to yourself like, man, this whole fucking idea of sacrificing yourself to this god, to this greed god, is stupid. Yep. It's stupid, you know? And and I, I think that's intentional. Like, I think Larry knows exactly what he's doing there, where it's, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but, but I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think you're supposed to look at it and go, that's fucking ridiculous. I, I very much think that the, the end is the learning moment for Jimmy and the audience of, ostensibly, you can't chase this thing that people are forcing on you. You know, because Jimmy has this whole thing where he's talking about how he's never prayed in school. He doesn't do things that he's forced to do. I mean, he bra- like he very brazenly is just like, I've never paid taxes and I'm never going to pay taxes. You pay the fucking taxes. You know, when he's um, arguing for what he wants for the bird. But I feel like in the, the end, that's where we have that line with Jimmy of him not being afraid of things anymore is that moment of realization that... You know, we all have this fear that we're not going to be stable. We're not going to be rich. You know, there's a huge fear in just not being successful, like not even about being stable. Like Mm -hmm. so many, so many people. And and look, you know, this is something I've come to terms with myself lately is like so many. I I used to be someone who was like who is very much and Chris can speak to this. I used to be someone who's very much like I am not worthy as a person unless I'm incredibly successful, which is bullshit, which is bullshit. And, And I feel like so many people would rest easier if they could just live with the idea of like, maybe I'm never going to be a millionaire or Mm -hmm. something like that, or like super successful, but as long as I'm comfortable and I can feed myself, like that's fine. (laughs) I think it's about redefining what success means for so often in America, it's been tied to fucking Q, the fucking like greed money God, Yeah, you know, (laughs) the money money God. (laughs) And it's about redefining that to success is about not being afraid, being comfortable in your life and and liking what you're doing. And that's what Jimmy realizes in the end. He's not going to spout some, you know, fanatics prayer, 
you know, for this unachievable dream. He's learned that this dream is unachievable because every force at the top will batter you down and keep you from rising because they're fucking assholes. Plus, you have to get your skin torn off you to achieve to it, and, like, who wants that? <laughs> and it's, it's one of the things that I think is really interesting about the fact that we close on finding another Q egg. Like, that's our big ender. And I feel like, you know, there's that moment where Shepard is, like, shooting the cultist, like, 80 bajillion times. Okay, that cultist is totally saying the prayer as he's getting shot, and that's why we get another Q. And fuck that guy. Well, I mean, Cause yes. Because if belief brings it into the world, that dude is sacrificing himself at the altar of wealth and the goddamn gun. Yes, but it's also the idea that greed never dies. Gre- All right, greed- get, get fancy <laughs> on it. <laughs> I Gre- said that. Greed. <laughs> Just not fancy. <laughs> sure. Gre- gre- greed's been a part of our culture ever since the beginning. Yeah. You know, like, there's I'm no not, escaping it. Like, I'm not exactly sure when it, like, cemented itself in our culture, but. You know, I'm sure there was a caveman back at some point who was like, I want that fucking thing you have that's completely worthless, but I want it. And then bash some dude's head in with a rock and took it. Right. Like it's always been a part of human society, you know, a a part of human beings. We're greedy, asshole little fuckers. I think my shit where he's just like, it became an important part of society when the patriarchy took over. Well, the patriarchy's always been in control, so yeah. like, <laughs> so we so we could say eternity there as well, you know. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Um, just one last quick note, because uh, we didn't mention how the mo- you know how Q actually dies. Is like, first of all, he's shot in the fucking face. He's shot in the face. <laughs> first of all, I I love that whole end scene. For many reasons, you mm-hmm. know, one because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I like. Is it gu- because the guns are ostensibly laser guns? <laughs> They got to make it work for the movies, Chris. All right, you can't. The reason the they reason got laser guns. The reason you see guns fire like that in a movie is because it'd be way more boring if you just didn't see any bullets, right? So. I agree, but head cannon, laser guns. Sure. So yes, the police firing laser guns at Q uh, is entertaining. I love that they're all just sitting outside on the building firing at this monster and getting thrown off into a into a. a what like blue screen or whatever it is mm. like I, I love them all being thrown off like that yep. it's hilarious um and then just the and then there's the imagery of q dying on the pyramid mm-hmm. and i made a note where like i think i was high i made a note <laughs> where where it was pretty much like q died for our sins <laughs> <laughs> no q <laughs> is our sins q is our sins but but it was kind of this concept of like you know if you look at it from the greed point of view, mm-hmm. if you look at it from like the greedy people's point of view, Q is like this creature that is that's like Jesus or God or whatever that mm-hmm. has like died for our sins on this pyramid-looking building, which is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, and that Quinn is basically like fucking Judas, <laughs> who sold <laughs> who sold Q out. <laughs> oh, that makes Q like anti-Jesus. What, like the Antichrist? <laughs> no, 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 not the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is all about, like, Armageddon or some fucking bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, Q just wants no, Q just Q... wants to eat your soul for money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's anti-Jesus, which, I mean, we also kill Jesus, so, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. What about super Jesus? <laughs> I do not want greed to be super Jesus. That's horrifying, but very accurate to our current culture. I mean, we all know that Christianity is secretly greedy, so. <laughs> I mean, look, if Jesus came around again and spouted the same fucking shit, the Christians would be the first ones to fucking sacrifice him. 
oh my god i mean the christians are ready to sacrifice themselves right now with jesus not even showing up so <laughs> wish they would <laughs> yeah um <laughs> We're not anti-faith. We're just anti-organized and, religion. And I want to make sure. And I want to make sure that I that I mentioned this before we leave because I forgot to say this earlier too. Is that going back to Jimmy really quick? Who I know you love. Uh, is that <laughs> Midas, you know Michael Mariotti's just brilliant performance. Um, Whatever. <laughs> oh man, you're making so many people mad right now. Michael Mariotti's a genius. Fuck you. Um, oh, he is a fantastic <laughs> actor. But here's the thing: I don't give a shit about the actor. I only care about the character. Fair, but Jimmy uh, can suck a dick. But I kind of like the idea that he's named Jimmy Quinn purposefully, and that the idea is that he is actually Q. As as in as in like or or if he's not if or, or if he's not actually this sounds Q, like a fucking Matt theory. <laughs> or if he's not actually Q, that he and Q are one and the same basically, because Jimmy himself, like you keep saying, is not a good person. No, nope. uh, and is very much based on a life of greed and all that. Yep, sacrifices people. And and so doesn't it make sense that like his last name is Quinn of all things with a Q, and that he's facing off against Q, the Winged Serpent? Like they're basically. You mean it, he's fighting his own greed side to, like, decide? It's like a moral battle for himself for the sake of his soul? Uh, maybe not quite to that oh, level. This but is too fucking smart for me. <laughs> I'm too drunk. Maybe, I hate Jimmy too much. Maybe maybe not to the level that he's battling his soul. I mean, I, I think that that's there, though, in the movie, but... Mm. Uh, but no, just just saying that like Q is in a lot of ways a representation of Jimmy and vice versa. So, I mean, I uh, I'm not sober enough to disagree with you. <laughs> and yes, this whole, I win. <laughs> this whole thing is too far above my head. Well, you know that's, what? I'm well just, that's Larry Cohen for you. Larry Cohen was a very smart filmmaker. <laughs> I'm so glad. I think a lot of the rest of our movies this month are not smart, and I'm excited. We're talking about Friday the 13th Part Fuck 3 next yes. week, right? You get, a, you get a nice dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Friday the 13th aren't dumb movies. They're fun movies. They're fun movies, but they're still dumb I'll movies. I'll go fucking fight you. <laughs> Wait, so you try. Um, all right, so. Beat we your gotta, ass into the crowd. So we got to start wrapping up uh, so that I can murder Chris after this. Uh, so who is your killer idiot of Cue the Wayne Servant? Look, I know I do this a lot and it's shitty of me, but fucking Joan for dating Jimmy. Girl, you are so You're such a woman hater. <laughs> it's just I see these awesome women who are so smart and capable and it just hurts in my soul to see them tied to these fucking numb nuts. Like, Jimmy's not, there's nothing good about Jimmy. There's nothing redeemable about Jimmy. He fucking destroys your place later on. And, like, there's this moment where, like, she has this line where Jimmy asks her, like, why are you with me? And I'm also like, yeah, why the fuck are you with him, bitch? Because you could do so much better. And her line is basically, like, you're so beaten down by, like, all these other things that I pretty much feel like I have to be safe. I'm like, bitch, no, you can't fix him. He's not going to get better. Why are you tied yourself to this, I, like, what's that term? Like, millstone? Some shit like that. I'm too drunk. I have no idea what you're talking about. There's, but look, th- there's a whole but, term for it. Somebody will understand what I'm talking about, but Nobody it's not ever understands what you're talking <gasps> about. But look, if we, if, we were, if we were a movie on the Killer Horror Critic podcast, then there would totally be the other host saying that you're the killer idiot based on... <laughs> You are Based not as bad saying. as Jimmy. Oh, but I'm half as bad as Jimmy. <laughs> I didn't say that. You implied it. Um, 
but no, but no, look, I, I mean, I don't. No, I don't hold it against Joan. I mean, look, she I, loves the guy. Like, I don't she, hold it against her. I just like, I'm so glad that she like breaks up with him because like, you can do so much better, bitch. That's usually why I'm yelling at these women because like, they can do so much better. And I feel like it's an example of like the societal shit of like, women have to fix the man and stick by their man, and it's such fucking bullshit. Well, I think that I think that's an outdated concept. I think it a lot is. of I think a lot of people don't really see it that way anymore. I but, hope so. Uh, but no, my killer idiot is obviously the fucking cops hanging out on the side <laughs> of the fucking top of the Chrysler building while battling a giant flying serpent. To be fair, like, they had no idea what it looked like until that moment. I, they didn't need to know what it looked like. They know that they're fighting a monster that flies. Why the hell would you even? They're dude cops from New York. They have a giant fucking ego. Like, I don't care what their job is. (laughs) If I was one of them, I would quit in that moment and be like, I am not fucking going on that little tiny box on the side (laughs) of this building because I'm basically bird bait. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know how fucking big of a giant jackass moron you have to be to get on the fucking side of that building (laughs) to fire at this creature you're you're basically you are automatically bird meat you know you're dead (laughs) that's obviously just some like aggro dude who has to prove how big his dick is i mean that's all cops as as we know but (laughs) what about your killer death of q the wing serpent i mean literally that's anybody that q picks up and just tosses into the into the ether so everybody (laughs) no no q eats some people but like specifically i love when q's just like i'm not even gonna give you the dignity of eating you or doing something useful with your body i'm literally just gonna pick you up and toss you because you're fucking garbage and i kind of love that because like as they're getting tossed to the green screen their bodies get weirdly stretched and they look very inhuman and i fucking love that except for that they did kill my mime boy and that makes me sad i love mimey i have no idea who the fuck plays the mime but i love him you would um (laughs) uh, i'm gonna say the window washer just because for me that was you know the 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 first moment in the movie (laughs) and and it sold me on the film automatically you know yeah because you're not expecting it it was my first time watching it uh way back when my first time seeing this window washer just get his head chopped off and i was just instantly like Oh, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I, whatever this movie's going to give me, I'm in from this point on. You know? Oh, and he so, absolutely deserves it. Oh, and he totally does. I'm fucking muttering, oh, you love me, baby. Baby, my girlfriend, you love me. Yeah, I, I wanted him to die. <laughs> he fucking sucks. disgusting piece of shit. What about your killer MVP of Q the Wing Servant? I mean, obviously Q, Quetzalcoatl. He's an adorable, beady-eyed fuck. I do not know how that dinosaur bird creature sees because his eyes are so fucking tiny. But I love him, and I would adopt him in a second. He just hears the sound of their greed, I guess. (laughs) Apparently. I mean, like, if we're talking about greed, like, a beady-eyed little shit feels very appropriate. But yeah, I love him. I love the fact that when you look at his fucking face, he does not look threatening at all. Like, he shoves his face into, like, the window of the Chrysler building to, like try to like eat shepherd and i'm just like this adorable dumb fuck has no idea why he's here there's nothing threatening about this little dude no uh so mine's kind of random i'm actually going to give it to the cinematographer fred murphy uh because you know to me again the thing that really stands out about q for me is the cinematography Mm -hmm. like i i just i i'm stunned watching this movie and just seeing all this great aerial photography that 
you know, I just is not easy to pull off on nope. the budget that they had. It's not like they and had it, drones. Well, and here's my thing about that too is that you know, not not only is the aerial f- photography impressive, uh, but it's also well done too. You know, yeah. like they like they do a lot of really great uh kind of like zooms and pans and you know like it's all very effective Mm -hmm. and something that i fucking despise about modern filmmaking and the solution to using helicopters with drones Mm -hmm. is that most people don't use drones in a provocative way like a lot it's just basic bitch shooting yeah like all the drone footage you see and you can always tell when it's drone footage which always which tends to like kind of take me out of it for a moment too just i'm one of those people that notices this shit but um but the drone but drone footage is always just so goddamn boring in modern movies because it's always just like a slow pan uh rising up or over the trees or you know it's just no art to it yes it's very uninteresting you know Mm -hmm. and so like so i just i just really appreciate murphy's cinematography and how he was able to capture this city through an aerial lens to a point where a lot of times it almost feels, especially because for some of it, you are sort of implying seeing through Q's eyes. I, I love that it basically kind of creates a, a similar effect to uh, swimming through the water in Jaws with the shark, you know, yeah. like it really feels like you are Q kind of soaring through New York city, you know? So I just, I'm just really impressed by it. I just thought it was really good. Yeah, It's gorgeous. Um, it's a gorgeously so- shot movie that needed more monster fights. <laughs> you're a monster uh so anyway but i'm your monster so anyway uh every week on twitter at killer critics we like to put up a poll kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it so between love it it's fine don't like it and never seen it where do you think the audience fell on q the winged serpent i feel like it's a lot of it's fine uh you would be wrong so <gasps> <laughs> love it got 35.1 percent it's fine got 21.6 percent don't like it got 1.4 percent and a whopping 41.9 percent said never seen it (laughs) you know i'd like to say i'm surprised by this poll but i'm not because q is an older film it's It's a weird uh, monster movie sure uh i would also say though that it's a larry cohen classic and that you know larry cohen is this a snobby thing yes larry cohen larry cohen's pretty great so you know you should watch go watch larry cohen's movies but um (laughs) but but it is an older film you know so and and as we've learned you know these days it kind of feels like since we're old now if it's 20 years older it's probably less seen by people now (laughs) that's true uh so it's not like when i was a kid but um but no yeah so uh, so not all that surprised by it uh so we always like to get comments from you all as well. So these are all from Twitter. First up is at BeerNut1. So that's Beer, N-U-T, and then the number one. And they say, Cue the Winged Serpent is a great film, well acted and written. I have to give the real, I have to give Joe Bob Briggs credit for bringing the genius of Larry Cohen to my attention on the last drive-in episodes. I had only seen It's Alive from Cohen prior to then. I think that's why I'm surprised that so many people haven't seen it is because it was on Joe Bob Briggs and usually that means yeah but not everyone watches that so that's fair but yeah I do agree that I think that it's very well acted or so Matt tells me Chris is really trying to not just say (laughs) fuck the actors in this movie I think the actors do a good job I'm just not interested in what they have to say (laughs) okay Yeah, I mean, it is it is a fun movie. So, no, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, and, and I do, and look, this is part of the reason I love The Last Drive-In is I, 
you know, whatever you think of Joe Bob Briggs, I, I just love that he brings so many films to people that they might not have seen or sought out themselves. Yeah. And, and that's the benefit of a show like that, you know, like it, it, it encourages you to watch things that you might not have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and so I love that he's been introducing people to kind of, you know, films like this that might have flown under the radar beforehand. Yeah, so all the nooks and crannies of, of horror film, filmdom. Yeah, so anyway, thank you at Beer Not One for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Dami in L.A. So that's D-O-M-M-Y in L.A. And they say, Oscar caliber performance in a B-monster movie shot in dingy, dirty, early 80s New York City. What more can you want? You I don't know <laughs> what they're referring to by Oscar performance to you, so I will interrupt yeah. you and say that, no, I mean, look... <laughs> Oscar worthy. I mean, look, that depends. That's all in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I think Michael Moriarty gives a brilliant performance. Whether you like the character or not, it's a brilliant performance. It's very memorable. Yes. You know, like it, the first thing, the first thing I think about when I think of Q the Wayne Serpent is not Q the creature itself. Mm-hmm. It's Michael Moriarty playing that goddamn piano and going doop doop <laughs> doop or whatever, you know, or oh, whatever he's, he's doing. Fucking you know? shitty singing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's the first thing I think of. Like, he really stands out in this movie. He's brilliant. And there's a reason that he and Larry continue to work together after this, you know. So, uh, and, and that's not to mention, you know, everyone else who just does a fantastic job in the film, uh, even if they're not quite as memorable as Moriarty is in this. But, uh, but no, I, I agree, Dami. Like, this is just, this movie is, if this film was made by any other director than Larry Cohen, I, it it would not be what it is. Like, Larry Cohen elevates this movie to a whole other level that I just don't think you really see a, a B-monster movie of this caliber typically achieve, right? Agree. So, so, <laughs> so no, so no, I agree. It's just, it's fantastic in all regards. But anyway, thank you at Dami in LA for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Narcotic Casser One. So that's Narcotic, C-A-S-S-E-R, and the number one. And they say, an Aztec god rampaging through the New York skyline, and it's up to a selfish two-bit petty crook to stop him. Only Larry Cohen can make an absurd story like this work. Uh, agree? So Chris <laughs> uh, clearly hates Q the Winged Serpent. So I don't just... <laughs> hate Q the Winged Serpent, but I think we can agree that it's a movie that I have trouble appreciating the way that it deserves to be appreciated. Fair. Uh, but I agree with Narcotic Aster 1. You know, again, I think Larry Cohen himself is what makes this movie really work so he's secretly my mvp i just wanted to give a shout out to the cinematographer yeah that's fair um but no larry cohen just again just makes this movie so much more than i think it was on paper uh in the hands of someone else um so thank you at narcotic caster one for the comment appreciate it and then last up is a comment from at half horror so that's half horror and they say the nixon pardon scene should be a required viewing in history classrooms to convey the public perception of government in the 1970s and 80s. I definitely agree with that. Like, I feel like that whole scene with Jimmy basically arguing for what he thinks he deserves is such a good moment that really encapsulates how people feel, how society feels about stuff, you know, and all the stuff with Nixon. So it is by far one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie, even though sometimes they still want to punch Jimmy. Not sometimes. You always want to punch Jimmy. Uh, I don't always look. want to punch Jimmy. It's <laughs> but, just 99% of the time. But look, fair point. You know, I, I do agree. I, I actually think this is a great scene. And I, and I agree with Half Forward that, you know, 
it's necessary, I think, to cons- to see that perception. Yep. You know, and, and especially like right now too, where I feel so disappointed or confused by society because you know I won't say who, but I have family members right now who honestly have no fucking clue what has been happening with the January 6th hearings. They, they have zero concept of any of the news that's come out of it. They have no idea. They know nothing about what's happened during it. And it's just like, you know, it, it speaks to, I think, just this piece of our society that, like, convinces us to just go on with our lives like nothing matters, you know? Yeah. And and I just I just really wish people were more sort of interested in you know, in in things that do affect their lives yep. quite dramatically. Uh so so no, I, I think it's important for people to know this kind of stuff and and yeah, I do think that, you know, a, a scene like this is valuable to play in classes like that. So uh so thank you at half four for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh so we always like to do releases for the week as well before we wrap up here. So it's a really great weekend for horror. Lots of exciting stuff. Uh, first up is uh, a film called They Them, which is coming to Peacock on the 5th. And this is about, I think, a uh, sort of conversion camp, you know, uh, with with queer characters where they're trying to, like, convert them and all that bullshit religious crap. And it stars Kevin Bacon. And then it becomes, I, I believe, a slasher uh, so I have not seen this yet. I've heard mixed things. I'm so I'm, curious about this one. <laughs> I, I'm very curious about it, though. So definitely something to be interested there and, and look forward to. Uh, next up is a film called uh, Resurrection, which is coming to VOD on the 5th. Uh, this one stars Rebecca Hall. It's difficult to describe. It's basically about a woman who uh, her whole life is thrown upside down when her ex comes back into it and there's very much like a, a power play of him controlling her and kind of driving her to like this psychological breakdown. And then the film itself has sort of like vague kind of Lynchian sort of vibes to it at times. Like it's, it's hard to describe, but it's very good. Rebecca Hall is absolutely brilliant in this. She's a phenomenal actress and this is just another standout performance from her. Sounds really intense. It is. It's a very intense movie, and it has an ending that I promise you, you will not forget. <laughs> I hope she stabs uh, him. You'll have to see. It's <laughs> it's an ending that had my jaw on the floor. So, like, you have to see it. It's very good. Uh, and then lastly is, of course, Prey, which is coming to Hulu on the 5th. And this is the Predator sequel. that oh. takes place 300 years in the past and follows, I, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but a Comanche woman, a warrior who finds herself in a battle to death uh, with the Predator 300 years in the past. Uh, and everything I've seen about this, just, just making it sound like the best goddamn Predator film since the original, which I find hard to buy because I love, love, love Predator 2 and think it's absolutely amazing. So I don't know that it's going to live up to my expectations of going beyond that. Uh, but it does sound like a phenomenal Predator film, so I can't wait to see it. I'm super excited about that, especially considering the Predator comic comes out next Wednesday. So we have two new Predator things. Okay, so there you go. So so no, definitely looking forward to that one. All the reviews have been phenomenal for it, so that's very exciting. Uh, so again, that's on Hulu on the 5th. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Friday the 13th Part yes. 3 in 3D. He gets his uh, mask. <laughs> when Jason Voorhees gets his mask. Uh, so if you've never seen that, you can stream it on Paramount Plus for now. Uh, so go check it out there if you haven't seen it. Do your homework there. 
Uh, otherwise, that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. Thank you.